0: Today's presenting sponsor is Datadog. If your business is being driven by software, you know today's applications are more complex than ever. They're sitting on multiple layers of infrastructure and distributed services, and it can be very complicated to manage. Datadog brings visibility into every part of your infrastructure, as well as APM monitoring for your application's performance. Customizable dashboards, collaboration tools, and alerts let you develop your own workflow for observability and incident response. And Datadog integrates seamlessly with all of your apps and systems from Amazon Web Services to Kubernetes to MySQL so you can get visibility in minutes. You want to get started now? Go to datadog.com cloudcast to get started with Datadog and get a free t-shirt. Datadog is trusted by thousands of enterprises so if you haven't tried Datadog at your company or on your side project go to datadog.com cloudcast to try it out and get a free t-shirt. And now on with the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world.
1: Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to another episode of The Cloudcast coming to you from Raleigh, North Carolina. We have uh, both Brian and I this week. And uh, we also have a uh, returning guest uh, from uh, past shows. We have Bernard Golden, CEO of
2: Navica. Bernard, how are you doing today? I am extremely well, thank you. Thank, thank you so much for inviting me to come and present or speak on your podcast. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, great to yes, Absolutely. And. Brian, Brian, it's been a while since uh, we, we've talked as well. How, you, have you been traveling? What's been going on with you lately?
0: Uh, so I've been, I, th- I think they're, things are good. I uh, haven't been traveling a bunch, but I'm actually uh, getting ready to, to go off and I'm doing this roadshow with Gene Kim of uh, sort of DevOps fame and Phoenix Project fame. Him and I are doing this roadshow like six or seven cities. So that kicks off uh, later this week in New York City and uh, and then I'm gonna be traveling a bunch. So we'll uh, we'll fit podcasts in as possible. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, and and look for a good bit of shows. Um, you know the typical format of either both of us or one of us. Uh, but we're going to stick to the weekly format uh, even throughout the summer, with the exception of next week. Uh, it is uh, Independence <coughs> Day here in uh, the states, and so we are going to be uh, taking next week off. But other than that, you should still see a weekly show going forward through the summer. Yep,
0: absolutely. Well, cool. Well, listen, Bernard, great to have you back on the show. Uh, it's been a little while. Uh, I think the last time we had you on, you were sort of in the, in the cloud foundry ecosystem, um, you were doing some work, uh, in that space. And, um, so get us up to speed. What are you, what are you working on these days? What, what's, uh, what's exciting you? What types of things are you focused on?
2: Yeah. Well, uh, I was working at ActiveState at that time Yep. and ActiveState, uh, did an acquisition arrangement with HP and, I had joined active state after spending time at Dell when it acquired in at before. And, um, I'd sort of like seen that movie and said, well, that's, I don't want to go see the sequel. Um, <laughs> so I decided to strike out strike out, go back to my independent work that I've been doing actually before in And I've been doing that ever since. So I do consulting, I do some writing. Um, I've done a lot of technology survey cause, um, one of my theses is that as cloud computing is now becoming kind of the de facto uh, computing substrate, it really unleashes a huge amount of innovation, a huge amount of technology um, innovation sort of above it or on top of it or whatever you want to say. It's an innovation platform. And so I look have looked at a lot of different technologies and I'm doing quite a bit of work around blockchain now. So kind of a mix of cloud computing and blockchain across a mix of activities, including consulting, writing, and working with companies and so forth. And I should mention, I've also, um, have partnered with a training company called simply learn because I've, my view is that enterprise IT organizations are being, this is like a hurricane hitting them about adopting these new technologies and they need to get smart fast. They need to train at scale. So I've partnered with a training company as well.
1: Oh, fantastic. Now, uh, we what we really wanted to talk about today was um and link it link in the show notes um uh, that uh, a blog article you put out recently called cloud computing has hit a tipping point um and. And we certainly agree with it. It's something we've been kind of seeing and tracking on this show uh, for for many years. And so we we wanted to really kind of take this story and and get it out to everyone. And so so if you don't mind, tell everyone a little bit about the premise of it and the, and the background of all of this and and how you kind of came to the the conclusion you did.
2: Sure. Well i I believe that cloud computing has hit a tipping point. It's now becoming. The de facto mental model for enterprise IT organizations. And what do I mean by that? In other words, in the past, cloud computing was always sort of an exception. You know, oh, yeah, it's okay for that group because they've got, you know, they've got a little digital initiative. Or it's okay for that organization because they need some test and dev resources. But the notion was, but our main assumptions about the way we build applications, the way we operate them, about the tooling we use to manage them, that's all on-premise virtualization. And I've seen a pretty significant shift in that where the consciousness about cloud computing and what it provides and what it requires has now become kind of, oh yeah, that's got to be front of mind for us. We have to be thinking about that as the way we do all those activities, design and so forth. And I find it interesting because we're seeing that more and more and and yet there are so many I don't know what you would call them, naysayers or stubborn people or or whatever it is in the industry, they're kind of, they kind of give it begrudging assent. They kind of go, yeah, the cloud stuff. Yeah, that's pretty popular now. Let's go back to talking about, you know, basically what they're comfortable with. And, you know, um, and I felt like, I don't know, I just, I really wanted to look at that phenomenon, look at the, what it means when you hit a tipping point with the technology and discuss that kind of phenomena. Because I've, I've seen tipping other, there have been other tipping points, sorry, there have been other tipping points in our industry. You know, the shift from, uh, you know, assuming a LAN environment to using an internet environment. So that meant, you know, we're not going to use thick clients, we're going to use browser-based clients. You can talk about the shift to the PC as the dominant platform. We've gone through these kinds of technology tipping points in the past, and their effect is, Unbelievable in the industry, and I wanted to talk about that.
0: Yeah. So, what? So, you know, you've obviously been uh, been involved with this space for a while. You've you've written things like the, you know, public cloud and AWS for dummies books, and I mean, you've been you've been very involved with this. Like, what's you know, what, what's making 2017 any different than 14, 15, 16 for you that you sort of saying like, now something is is jumping out at me and saying this is this is the tipping point. What's the I don't know, what's that thing that, that sort of drove you to, to make this conclusion?
2: Yeah, so uh, one of the things that is that, that sort of drove that is you know, you you're now seeing reputable mainstream enterprises going, we're all in on cloud. You, know, you can look at companies like GE or Capital One or whatever they might be, who are kind of willing to stand up and go, yeah, we're all in on this. And so <clears throat> you guys have worked in enterprises. You know how it is. Enterprises never want to be, Leading, they always want to go. Well, who else is doing this? That's like me, you know, and that'll make me feel safe. Well, now there's enough that basically anybody can go. Yeah, like real deal companies, people I consider to be peers or uh, role models are doing it. I should do it. So there's this sort of consciousness. Again, I think the the notion that what the computing resources we should use should have the characteristics of cloud computing. So they should be like available immediately, highly scalable. You know, we shouldn't be tied to static infrastructure. That's all permeated and people are going, now I'm going to build applications like that. Where do I do that? Like do it in the cloud. But beyond that, and I think really important, and this sort of goes back to the cloud as an innovation platform, these cloud providers, it's really a misnomer to think of them as being, oh, they're they do infrastructure as a service or even platforms of service where, you know, I hand in my code and they run it. They now have complete, you know, enormous ecosystems of services, you know, like machine learning or IoT capabilities or whatever it might be. And and enterprises in this sort of shift to a being digital enterprises have to take advantage of those things. And you really can't do them yourself. I mean, it's just too, it's too difficult. It's too hard. It's too complex. And so if you say... Gosh, I need to layer machine learning into my customer analysis, you know, and do clickstream uh, capture and do predictive analytics around it and all that. You know, you're probably going to be driven toward using one of these cloud providers, and then you know, so you're sort of then you, by the fact of what you want to accomplish, you get driven toward using them. You go cloud it all in.
1: Okay, and l- let me ask you this then, Bernard. So, kind of the flip side of that for just a second. Um, while we've seen incredible growth with AWS in particular in the last couple of years, uh, th- those those growth rates have slowed down over the last mm-hmm. seven quarters or so, and mm-hmm. and so you're starting to see, in addition to that slower growth of of a lot of the um the the on premises vendors, um and and so do you think the two are linked together? Do you think this is just a law of big numbers? Of the bigger the numbers get, it's harder to move the needle. What what are your thoughts around? Is there a correlation there at all?
2: Well, I don't know if there's a correlation, but you know, I did an analysis based on the last quarter results from the big three cloud providers. I call them AAG, you know, AWS, Azure, and Google, and I concluded they're probably at about a sixty percent blended growth rate across their across the revenue stream. So roughly sixty percent. Um, and, and I guess I think you're onto something really important, which is. That growth is directly coming out of the revenue stream of the incumbent providers, and you know the first thing you see when when new entrants come into a market, the first thing you see goes is um, revenue growth of the incumbents. So let's just let's look at a different one. When PCs came along, there was a whole string of companies already existing, digital, so forth and so on. What went first was you know they didn't go out of business overnight, but what happened was they stopped growing. You know, their growth rates went from eight or ten percent or something like that down to two or three and then turned to zero. And and eventually what happens is they start turning negative. And that's a sort of a tipping point. And that's what we've seen now. So as these companies, these cloud companies, the AG, are growing at you know, 50, 60 percent blended. We've seen the growth go out. Now we're down to actually negative numbers for the, most of the big players. The next thing that you really see is profitability go because, you know, for a while, even if you've got bad revenue results, you can, you know, tweak the numbers. We're going to lay some people off. We're going to cut back on marketing. You know, we can still look good profitable Profitably. Eventually, that goes because there's no more dials to turn, no more knobs you can tweak, you know, no more people you can sort of easily lay off. And the stage after that is when you get into basically capital restructuring. And, you know, the private equity and so forth. So we're kind of in the second phase of that. So they're correlated in the sense that when a new platform comes forward and is growing very rapidly, it takes the growth away from the existing platforms, the existing legacy players.
1: And and you you bring up a great fact there in – Something to really go look at in in the blog post itself is you actually do a diagram there of your typical kind of S-curve S of supply and demand over, you know, lifetime going from beginning mm-hmm. to commodity. But then you also lay out Jeffrey Moore's chasm of, you know, different areas of uh, adoption, if you will. And you kind of lay them out together. And what you're stating is exactly that, is a combination of those models and then defining them into exact phases. Is that a good way to look at it?
2: It is. I can't claim uh, creation of that. That was from sure, sure. The, the company that who's uh, – who I've. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I acknowledged her. I gave them attribution, but I I do think it's smart in the sense that, you know, when you get these really when you start moving up the S curve, really rapidly is when the mainstream hits, and that's where that's where we're at now. Is the mainstream is really adopting you know very wholeheartedly. And, uh, you know, so that's, I think that's an accurate observation.
0: So how do you, so, you know, you, you talk a little bit about sort of historical trends and and how things follow patterns. And, um, you know, the one, the one challenge in, in corporate it is, you know, maybe, maybe 20% of their budget gets, that's allocated to new projects. I mean, there's always this huge amount that's, that stays there to, to maintain existing stuff. What do you what do you think drives the big shift towards uh, you know towards all this public cloud growth? Is it do you know, do you think that financial model of of IT and the lines of business kind of gets blown up as well and and, and people stop putting money into maintenance of existing things? Or do you just see like an explosion of new applications where funding's gonna go? Or like how, you know, if somebody were, were to be looking at this, say like as a CIO and they say, Okay. Um, but but who's going to pay for it? How are we going to pay for it? What's going to drive the spend? Like, wh- how do you help answer that? Because it, it sort of goes against you know decades of you know how money actually gets spent versus kind of what you know <clears throat> what somebody wants to see happen because it's new technology.
2: Yeah yeah. One thing is that I I think a lot of these cloud the earlier cloud stuff was driven out of incremental money coming from other groups. So, you know, it wasn't an IT project, it was a digital marketing project. And that came, brought forward money, and they funded it separately. It was, you know, and that's a lot of discussion on that. Now we're into the mainstream of IT, and you're exactly right, you sort of confront the issue of, yeah, I really want to start taking advantage of all the stuff that cloud offers in terms of the infrastructure flexibility. I really want to take advantage of all these additional services that can, you know, help me build better applications or layer on additional functionality. But so much of my spend is um, already spoken for, you know, January 1st, you know, a whole bunch of it. And Brian, I think you've really put your finger on something that I believe is going to be one of the big issues over the next five years for CIOs, which is you know, there is no magic pot of money that's going to show up. No leprechaun is going to bring a pot of gold that, you know, sort of says, oh, here's all your incremental spend. You can go do all this cloud stuff and even keep your stuff. So I believe there will be enormous pressure the IT organizations and saying, you've got to pull spend out of that 80%. We we can't afford to have 80% of the budget tied up in systems that aren't delivering the value that we need and are and are very expensive and very inflexible. You know, basically the charter to the CIO is going to be like, what are you going to do to take that 80% down to 60% or down to 40%? You know, you've got to find a way to, to take cost out of that. Um, you know, this is somewhat analogous to, you know, the rise of the Japanese auto manufacturers when they came forward, you know, at, at first they were dismissed by American manufacturers and said, you know, basically, nobody will ever drive a Japanese car. Everybody wants, you know, you know, Cadillac comfort or whatever. And eventually it became clear that the market was willing to accept that and, in fact, embrace it and then, you know, basically said to the American manufacturer, you don't, you know, it's game on. You guys have got to, whatever. They had to figure out how do we manufacture with the efficiency and the quality of the Japanese manufacturers. Um, You know, how do we adopt their practices? And so I I think we'll see something very analogous to that. And so that'll be a big issue over the next five years for CIOs and IT organizations is, how are you going to pull spend? What's your plan to pull spend out of the existing legacy stuff? You know, don't give me an answer that just says, well, we're committed and we can't really do anything about it. Let's talk about what we can do with the incremental spend.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. Bernard, let's let's talk about... um the drama in the industry for just a second. Um, AWS and and Walmart, um, there's been kind of a little bit of a tiff here as you know, AWS has certainly grown in prominence, not just in cloud, but just as a retailer over time. And Walmart kind of announced this week that that they're going to really start influencing or even going to the point of mandating that their suppliers not use AWS cloud. Um, and they've also made a lot of other things like that in the past of to have, you know, vendors have to have facilities um, near Walmart H, uh, HQ or um, <clears throat> how do you think something like this is going to play out going forward? Or do, do, you, do we start to see, for instance, the large retailers start to bleed over into technology and infrastructure decisions?
2: I guess as a, as a uh, initial observation, behaving like that doesn't seem like it's a, a, an action taken out of confidence. You know, that, that doesn't necessarily... That doesn't seem like a positive thing, a positive situation for Walmart to be coming out with that. That seems like a very defensive kind of thing, which is, generally speaking, not good news or not a positive for Walmart. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, um, so that's... I mean... Walmart is interesting in that, you know, it is, it is big and it's got resources. It's, it's still profitable and, um, you know, it's going to fight back, you know, an awful lot of the other, um, it's, it's not clear they have the heft to fight against them. I mean, even target I think is is really challenged. It's, it appears to be from its, from its results. Um, you know, we're, we're in a, we are I mean our our economy is in a long term restructuring of the retail sector for a lot of different reasons, not just Amazon. Um, yeah, so, so,
0: yeah so, you, I, so, so you don't so you don't see so let's let's take retail, say for example, out of the out of the picture. We've got, you know, automotive companies trying to re reinvent themselves, right? Try and do you know better in car entertainment, and then you've got companies like like Google, for example, who are doing uh, you know, trying to build their own cars. You, you don't think at some point we're going to see these these large companies who you know aren't technology companies, but you know, look at these technology cloud providers, a uh, an Amazon, uh, a Google, a uh, uh, you know Microsoft, uh, an Apple as competitors, and, and look to to sort of stay away from from putting their their bits in their backyard, if you will.
2: Yeah, you know, I think you're you're right that you know there's a natural inclination to say, wait a second. You know, um, am I am I collaborating with my competitor? Am I you know, am I shooting? Am I you know, handing revenue over to somebody who's going to use that to compete with me? Absolutely. And you know, another question is, am I somehow turning data over to them, in the sense that you know they get to see the patterns of my use and can infer what that means for? what my customers are doing. And you're absolutely right about that. The key challenge is, I believe, is let's say you take that position and go, no, I want to do something else. It's like, well, who else do you go to, you know, to to say I'm going to use that? And as I mentioned, these innovation platforms have now an ecosystem of services. So if you want to be able to have an in-car entertainment slash operational system and you go, and I want to be doing analytics around how many people are twisting their dial while they're making a turn. And, you know, I need to, you know, it's a huge amount of data. And it's a huge amount of, you know, sort of go, okay, so am I going to build it myself? Well, that's, you know, a lot of money. Am I going to find a different cloud provider that might be able to do that? Well, there's only a handful, you know, am I, you know, which 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 of those enemies do I want to, you know, which is which is the least of which is the least enemy of those enemies, I guess? Um, you know, it's it's not, an easy, it's not an easy question. I mean, this is sort of an implication of, you know, the, the ongoing shift of our economy, if you want to say it that way. But, you know, basically computing is infusing everything we do. And so, you know, who are you going to choose to be the foundation of that part of it? Yeah.
0: So you you um, you know in the in the in the post you you know you, you highlight the those those big three companies Amazon Azure and, and Google and, and kind mm-hmm. of kind of imply um, you know I think without sort of mincing words like you know there's there's going to be a lot of sort of casualties in the IT industry uh, as a result of that and, and and you know we've seen industry shift what, what about the things that you sort of don't mention so like you don't you don't talk about things like other kind of established cloud players like a Salesforce or projects, you know, open, I mean, you sort of don't talk at all about open source. And I mean, like, what's your take about kind of the rest of the IT industry beyond those, those three big companies? I mean, is it, it do you see it as, as sort of bleak for them in the same way that you sort of mention HP and, and IBM? Or, or how do you see the rest of the industry, whether it's, you know, kind of more SaaS based things or open source things or wh- wh- like what? What's your take on that?
2: Yeah, well, I think for sure SaaS is going to be, you know, strong and Salesforce is going to be a very powerful company and going to continue. And I don't, you know, see it going out of business um, with, you know, based on the the big three or whatever. And there's there's a couple of other players that plausibly could be in that that category. If you saw the magic quadrant that just came out from Gartner last week, um, you know, there's uh for the first time uh, Alibaba was sitting there. Uh Huawei has kind of announced its ambition to be there and it has the resources. Because as you know, this is like you've got to be willing to spend five billion dollars a year every year to be in this game. And so you know how many players are there that can do that? There's you know probably maybe two or three more. Salesforce I think they're gonna do well. Although interestingly almost inevitably as these companies these aag the big players get bigger they start to look at are there ancillary services that we should be adding on and so for example uh, i don't know if you guys have looked at the amazon chime service but it you know it provides everything go to meeting go to webinar does at a third of the price so you know that's extending into an adjacent market that you know, So uh, I, I do see that. Open source, I think, is very powerful. Um, it, it's extremely powerful. The, the question for enterprises is, is the best way for me to consume open source to be my own integrator? Or do I look to a provider like Azure or Google or Amazon that will package up this open source stuff and make it available to me either at no cost or at very low cost and I get the you know the innovation of the open source, but don't have the operational headache of, of managing you know in, implementing it and managing it myself. So I, I think open yeah. source has a big thing. And by the way, on that thing about the SaaS stuff, um, you know my prediction is that's where Oracle's future lies. It it I think it probably won't be a strong infrastructure platforms a service player, but it'll be a very strong um, SaaS player, particularly in verticals and i think that that's got a tremendous business strategy
1: yeah and they certainly have the account base already without a doubt
2: <laughs> they have the account base and um, they've got lots of money too so
1: yeah exactly Exactly. Well, Bernard, um, we, we're kind of at that point where uh, we, we're kind of out of time for this week, but we certainly wanted to thank you for coming on again and, and really kind of giving us your insights there. And, and I would recommend everyone to to please go uh, take a look at the uh, both the blog as well as the other links we put in the show notes as well. Um, Bernard, so for those that, that don't already know how to get hold of you, what is the best way to get hold of you these days if anybody wanted to follow
2: up? Well, uh, for sure, you should go to my website, which is conveniently enough, BernardGolden.com. Um, and, you know, I'm on Twitter and you can always send me a DM on Twitter. And I'm my handle on Twitter is Bernard Golden. Uh, that's probably the best way. And, uh, you know, I'm easily, easily available. So and would welcome any uh, input feedback, etc.
1: Outstanding. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, uh, on behalf of Brian and and myself, um, uh, thank you very much for your time today, Bernard. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. And we'll actually talk to everyone in two weeks. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social
2: media.